You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Pass for Nylander. One man back in a shot. Scores! <laughs> of all of the great chances he had last night, this one should never have gone in the net. He couldn't get it out in a shot. By Bunting scores on a turnover. Bunting makes no mistake. It's 2-0. Now a loose puck in front. They score. And it is Marchenko to tie the game at two. Marner on the wing. Scores. Morgan Riley gets his second of the year. And the Maple Leafs have tied the game. 3-3. A shot goes high. No. Into the net. Was that deflected before it got yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, they're going to take a look at it to see if... Yeah, I mean, this puck, I think it was going wide. Well wide. And the Blue Jackets are going to split the home-and-home home affair. All right, welcome in, everybody. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tashiri and the Mike DiStefano along with you today. You heard Joe Bowen say it right there. The Leafs split the home-and-home home against Columbus. They've got the day off today uh, ahead of a game on, on Wednesday. But for now, it be a lot to get into over the weekend. Two games since we last spoke to you all. And, and Mike Johnson will join us in the next five or so minutes uh, to chat about Friday and Saturday and, and a lot going on around the league, too, with, with trade activity and and. More rumors than anything else, A.B., and, and more <laughs> more, more chat than any actual movement, but some chatter happening nonetheless. Uh, with chatter in Leaf well, Station thought, today. Well, Go ahead. Chikram was supposed to get dealt. I don't know what happened. We're sitting here on Monday, and the guy's still in Arizona. Have you ever seen a weirder tweet? So Arizona's PR tweets out on, was this Friday or Saturday? I'm forgetting now. Saturday. Saturday like right night. Right before the Leaf game starts. Right. Jacob Chikram will not be in the lineup tonight due to trade-related reasons. It sounded like Michael Scott tweeted out the update from the Coyotes PR account. I've never, I've never seen it advertised. So, and and it's kind of like a culmination of this guy being on the trade market for the last two years. It's like uh, we're sitting this guy out tonight. We're trying to deal him. It was so weird, AB. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it sounds as though he is going to get traded. Although, I guess to your point. Guy's been on the block for like two and a half years and still hasn't gotten dealt. But yeah. I think that's probably uh, it's going to come to an end soon, I would imagine. Um, we'll see who the names are that come up. But like, there's a couple of teams that apparently are in it. Whether or not it's the Kings, the Bruins, you know, Toronto's name was kind of floated out there as a potential, yeah, you know, team that could make that addition. But uh, we'll see there. But. When it came to the Leaf game itself on uh, on Saturday night, boy, what uh, what a stinker! Like, let's I be know. honest here. Right? It's it, it's so un- unfortunate. Like they they play well on Friday, they come back, good vibes, get the road win, three nothing. You know, you get a shutout for Samsonov, and then you come back into your own barn in Toronto in your first game there in like ten days, and that's the performance he put on. Yeah, like that was one of the worst second periods that I've seen them play in a long, long time. And against the team, the thirty-second ranked team, it's just like I thought we were done with this. I, I thought the Leafs had learned those lessons. I thought they learned to keep the foot on the pedal and get it going deep into hockey games and just put teams away. And, and they just didn't do that again here Saturday night. It was it was quite frustrating. 
No, and it was misleading too, A.B., because they came out looking pretty hot. Willie Nylander scores pretty early into the contest after being yep. just terribly snake bitten the night before. He could have had a whole bunch the night before, and then he gets one uh, right off the hop Saturday. You're in the building. Probably felt like the, the good vibes were going to continue rolling, and then they just immediately turned sour. Or what was the read on press row? Yeah, like everything looked good after the first period. I think they were up, what, 2 nothing after the first, and they controlled that game from start, well, control that period from like start to, to finish pretty much. And then they came out so flat for the second. And next thing you know, they were down 3-2. And also, like, that Ken Johnson goal at the end of the game, I'm still not <laughs> sure how they confirmed that goal. Like, that that to me was a, a high stick. And not only did they the say spray paint job, they confirmed like, it. I don't yeah. get it. It, it, it was a, a befuddling one, to go back to our word last week, A.B. I, I, I wasn't totally yeah. sure on that one either. How many guys are going to be spray-painting their sticks now, though? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that, Was that it? It got spray, He spray-painted the stick? I think that was. I think that's what I understand of the situation. The, the stick had a little bit of spray-paint job, and it, the idea behind it is a little bit of camouflage, and in that scenario, it, it actually worked, I think, this is from the what I understand day. at least. If that's if that's what the kids are doing these days, if that's what Ken Johnson's doing, man, is that ever a smart situation? I don't. That's that's the first I heard of that. But if that's truly what happened and they couldn't decipher because of the spray paint, yeah. I mean, kudos to them, I guess. That's just a smart move there. Yeah, I don't know if that was totally it, but maybe a factor. Anyways, let's bring in our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, on this fine sunny Monday morning in Toronto and. Johnny, I don't know where we start. Do we start with the cannon? Do we start with the fact that your your energy on the call Friday was just electric? Like, how was your weekend, man? Let's let's just start there. <laughs> My weekend was good. Uh, you know what? I was in Columbus on uh, Friday night. It was a good time. The game was not a great game, but for whatever reason, the, the the broadcast was kind of like a lighthearted, kind of fun broadcast, and at least one, which is always fun to be involved with that. And uh, I'm in Montreal now. We did a Montreal game yesterday, and I haven't been in Montreal very often this year so it's kind of nice to get back in the sound because it's uh i don't mind much i lived here my mom's from here so it's uh nice and warm so i'm i'm on my way it's an off day because we have chicago tomorrow against montreal i'm going on my way to the tennis court to play a little tennis so it's uh i got no complaints Ooh. whatsoever and my and mikey real quick uh you're talking about kent johnson spray painting a stick so you can't tell exactly where on the black it might have hit so i'm pretty sure there's a rule that goaltenders have to have the knobs of their sticks taped white for that very reason. So there is mm. contrast when they trap a puck underneath it, what's black and what's white. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's a little bit of a... Uh, that is weird then. I guess you would have to... I mean, goaltenders would have to raise a stink about that if that's the case. Right, like, if we're like that the players hide their stuff, but we can't. Yeah, I know, but I do know I've, I've been on the ice where like goalies get called to the bench and they quickly have to tape the knob of their stick white again because they forgot. <laughs> I don't know. They, that, that to me was one where what the weird part was that it was confirmed though. Like to me, I don't see. I, I could understand because it was called a goal on the ice. If they say inconclusive, when we, you know, decide yeah. that the goal will stand due to inclusivity, but I, I just or conclusivity. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we include all goals. We want all goals included <laughs> yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's what we want. All goals, right? More scoring. But to me, it just made no sense how that was conclusive evidence that he did not heist it. Because I thought that he did, let alone being like, I don't know. I guess there's no point complaining about it now. The game's over, but kind of is what it is at that point. But, Johnny, 
that that was a game where like they played well on Friday, right? They get the win, nice, good vibes, get the shutout in in uh, in Columbus, and they come home. Great first period. And then they kind of take their foot off the gas and play one of the worst periods that I've seen them play in a while and end up losing this game. Like, I thought they were past, past this, where they let up against these, these weaker opponents. Well, they're not. Um, I mean, this year they've lost to Anaheim and to Arizona and to Montreal and to Columbus. And, so, and now, remember, those teams are also going to win three or four out of ten games. They're beating somebody, including the best teams in the league. And, Tampa's lost to those teams, and Carolina's lost to those teams. Toronto is not alone in that. But because of Toronto's history the last couple of years, it does seem more significant because Toronto places publicly, verbally, great importance on how they play these next, well, now it's three games, but these first five games out of the break because they're all against teams at the bottom of the standings, and they've acknowledged their poor performance over the last couple of years against teams that they feel that they are better than. And so coming off of Friday, like, well, that was a pretty mature performance. Like that wasn't like a team that didn't, you know, chase offense or get frustrated. They just kind of ground out a good win and they get up to nothing in the first. I'm like, well, this is over. Perfect. Nice for Joseph wall. He's going to get a comfortable game. This is really good. And then you're right. It, it's, it's not inexplicable because, I've been on, I've been that guy on the ice, like playing terrible, and you're like, what does it matter with you? How come you're not playing better? And it just, it's not happening. But yeah, I think Toronto would be more vexed by that game than most teams would be because they've acknowledged that they want to be so much better, and they've also acknowledged that if they are not, they'll have a harder time shaking off bad losses because of their history as well. Yeah, so how important do you think this net, next stretch of, of three hey, games is? It, hey, I know, I don't want to overblow it, right. you got to go three for three. It doesn't matter standing, per se. I mean, I guess Tampa could pass them, actually, so maybe it does matter. But, yeah. you know, in that sense, it doesn't matter. But I think it does matter for kind of the psyche and the morale. And I'm not going to say confidence so much, but just for the psyche of the team to, to win and win comfortably and in Montreal is playing pretty good. They just beat Edmonton yesterday, and they haven't, Edmonton hasn't lost in like 11 games in a row. So it's not going to be easy. But um, you know, without Austin there, they're a different looking team. They're you know the second line is different, the third line is different, and they're good enough to beat the teams they're playing against. But I do think it is more important than it otherwise should be because of all the stuff we just talked about. Uh, in conversation with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, uh, what'd you make of Nylander's retaliation penalty? Not something we typically see out of any of those core four guys, but sounds like Sheldon Keith kind of liked it a little bit. Um, I mean, do you think this is something that he wants to see a little bit more of out of you know his his big boys? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think. You want to see it all the time, but a one-off when it's out of character, you don't mind it so much. Um, you know, I think <laughs> you listen to people, they often crave for somebody from that big four to, to play a little different, to have a slightly different personality, maybe a little twitchier. And so to, to kind of take it on discipline penalty, you don't love it, but to have a guy react emotionally and have that be a physical reaction, you'll live with it as long as it doesn't happen often. 
Yeah. Okay. Flip side of things, Michael Bunting was having a hard time drawing penalties this weekend, and and everybody loves the way that Michael Bunting plays with emotion. But he he's clearly developed a little bit of a reputation among the officials in the league when it comes to getting the benefit of the doubt. So, yep. how, how does he walk the line now, MJ, going forward here to to maybe get himself back into the good graces of the guys in the stripes? Yeah, it's a, it's interesting, isn't it? And like, yeah. you know, I, obviously, I watch the games very closely. Like, I get why the officials who are human kind of feel the way they do because, like, a lot of times there are fouls that he's uh, that are being committed on on Michael and and they're not being called and I get why he'd be so frustrated. But there's also moments where, like, you know, smaller fouls, let's say, or you know, he really reacts strongly to to let everyone in the building know that he has been, um, you know, there should be a penalty there. He thinks there should be a penalty there and. And that will bother. Like, that would bother the officials. I get that. That would bother me if I was an official. And it happens often enough that it clearly is a reputational thing now. I think what he needs to do, and far be it for me to, to tell Michael Bunty how to play, but if he wants to get this reputation, which I think is a thing, um, off of him, like, I think, one, he's probably got to dial back the verbal yeah. reactions to the officials. Like, and you love the emotion, so it's hard to tell him to do that. It's part of what makes him a good player. But you got, you can't be screaming and yelling and, and having the whole building know that you're lighting up the ref. Like, you can yell at the ref in ways where the entire building doesn't know that. But when he, when he does it, skating off the ice and screaming and yelling and jumping up and down on the bench, like, they don't like that. So that's, that's one part of it. And I think the other part of it is maybe just when you're fouled, like, look, try to play through it as opposed to – let them know you're being fouled. Like, they'll see it, and they will call it. But if you're getting hooked, like, you don't have to fall. Like, work to stay on your feet, and they will see that you're working to stay on their feet, and they may end up calling a penalty anyways. Um, and just do that for a little while, and I think that would just calm the waters and get him back to kind of the same as everyone else. Like, when he's fouled, he gets to call more often than not, but not always. And when he's not fouled, they just kind of – or when he – you know, they don't kind of – not call something because is he making it up? Is he embellishing? Is he accentuating? Whatever word you want to use. I think that would probably be my advice to him on that. Yeah, and I, I think I kind of saw there was an instance there in, in oh, it was the second or third period where he was going in after a pocket, took a pretty big hit, could have been maybe some sort of interference call. And mm-hmm. I know the crowd was really giving it to the officials, but he did get up and just, you know, quietly skate to the bench. So maybe he does realize himself, and I'm sure people have talked to him, Sheldon and whatnot, saying, hey, the, this can't continue. You're never going to get the calls. Right. But, like, when you get cut in the face, you're like, look at my face. Like, you you know, I'm bleeding. Oh, Carlo that last be a week. Call, yeah. right? Like, I, I get the, you know, sometimes it seems too much, but sometimes it almost seems warranted. When you when you feel like you're not getting it because of your reputation, and it's very clearly a penalty, it would be infuriating for sure. But it's it's something he's going to have to manage because it's the thing that now is affecting his performance and, and how and how he can be a difference maker in the game. Because drawing penalties is one of the things he is the very best at in the entire NHL, and you don't want that to go away. That's Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst on this fine Monday. A positive uh, from the weekend, MJ. <laughs> Samsonov picked up his game kind of right where he left it, or even better than where he left it ahead of the All-Star break, I guess, because he had a, a couple tough, eh, not tough, but anyways, I talked myself into a hole here, so I'm just going to keep keep going on my sentence. Samsonov had a, had a great game this weekend. Is that really encouraging for the Leafs going forward, specifically with what's going on with Matt Murray right now? Yes. Um, I don't think they're surprised. I think they recognize they can't play him too much. 
and yeah. that prior to the All-Star game, he was getting played too much, and his yeah. game will suffer because of it. He's not a guy who can play eight and nine. He's, he's not, and, and very few players are. Very few goalies are now. Uh, but I think the good news is that over the next couple of weeks, while Matt Murray is still in limbo, while Joseph Wall is there and you know his American League numbers have been great, uh, the Leafs don't play a ton, period, and they don't play like back-to-back. So there is a chance for him to play most of the next four, five, six games because the Leafs' schedule is randomly staggered out quite a bit. Uh, and that's a good thing. He's a very good goalie. He's playing well. It was funny to watch him in Columbus. He talked about not feeling great. And while he played well enough to get a shutout, there was a whole bunch of times where he makes saves that are not textbook kind of structured. You know, like he's not in a butterfly. Sometimes he's got the glove like randomly up in the air and he, he reads the play and I guess he's an athlete in there, not just a, you know, a, a guy who goes down every time a puck's about to be shot. But um, yeah, he's going to have to play, I don't know, seven of the next 10 games until Matt Murray's back. So you want him on top of it because I don't know what happens, guys, if Tampa passes Toronto. Toronto's been in second for so long. Boston's been so miles in front. They've kind of been on an island, even though Tampa's creeping in behind them with games in hand. It never, they've never passed them. And I wonder what happens, you know, sort of the urgency in the group, because they, they, they are kind of locked in. They have been for about a month and a half uh, to their matchup for sure, but almost it felt like home ice, and that's sort of up in the air. And I wonder if that changes the urgency if Tampa does, in fact, jump them in the standings at some point. What, what, what would that change, like going out and getting a goalie or no, just, I just playing him more? I, I think not, not, not for Sam's not playing. I mean more just the attention of the team in these kind of dog days of the year. And nobody gotcha. wants to hear about not paying attention, but it's a long year. And in January and February, it, it, there are games kind of blend into each other, and you're on the road, you're just grinding them along, and you're too far from the start of the year, you're not close enough to the end of the year, you're just grinding. Yeah. And the good teams are better at it than the mediocre teams. But the Leafs have been basically 500 now for what? like 17, 18 games. So, um, you know, I think snat, you know, snapping back to attention when Austin gets back, which probably will be in the next week or so, um, you know, they just, you just get, you just get you call it more concentrated. You're more focused on the way you're playing every single game or you try to be. And I think the Leafs probably could use an uptick in that focus because this is what you're seeing. Like some good games, some not as good games, some mostly good moments, but some, some odd breakdowns at the inopportune time at the wrong moment, and that's what's hurting them. And I think some of that might be almost helped by, you know, Tampa really pushing up on them and saying, okay, if you want home ice, you gotta, you got to play better. Yeah, that's fair. Dog days of the season, and, and got to take that into consideration. But is one of the, like, underrated, disappointing parts of that lapse of focus on Saturday the fact that Joseph Wall was really left hung out to dry? Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, we all like storybook endings, Julia, and and it'd be nice to yeah. well, we got a a young guy here, and we want to support him, and we're gonna play hard for him because we care. And like, I guess that's kind of true, but it's not really true. Like, we all care about each other, but like, you know, I, I'm gonna block a shot, play as hard as I do for Matt Murray as I do for Joseph Wall as I do for Ilya Samsonov. So um, I don't think it's personal, but I also don't think there's like a personal massive motivation. Well, Joseph Wall's your boys let's really win one for the Gipper. It's like, you know, he's a good player. He's going to be in the NHL someday. Um, we're going to try hard because that's what we're supposed to do. But I don't think the emotional attachment to somehow do it for him exists. And that's not surprising. 
Johnny, how much longer do you think we got to wait till we finally see uh, Chikrin's landing spot? It seemed like something was close <laughs> well, happening on Saturday, and, and now it's, it's you know, radio silence. Is it always darkest before dawn? I don't know. It feels like it's going to happen soon, right? And, and yeah. um, I don't know. Is it L.A.? And L.A. had the Dustin Brown thing, and I get if, it's, if it is L.A., you wouldn't want to do it on a day where you're celebrating Dustin Brown with a statue and the whole bit. Which is another conversation. Dustin Brown has a statue outside the building. I that's, like that. That's magic. <laughs> that's Shaq, Kobe, and Dustin, and Dustin Brown. Like I know he's a captain oh. and a very very good player, but he's not like remotely what those. Anyways, this is their conversation. It's awesome. But, no, yeah. I, I remember getting into <laughs> this conversation. So awesome. I think was it last year that they announced that was happening, and I remember getting into this and being like that. Like uh, Dustin Brown, he may mean a lot to that team. He was captain for multiple Stanley Cups, but. There's a difference when you look outside of, of, to your point, Staples or I guess Crypto.com or whatever now. Like, there's a difference between the guys who are now on their Legends Row and their <laughs> version of it outside that arena, and then you've got Dustin Brown with a Stanley Cup. It just, you know, one doesn't really mix with the rest. You know? I love the idea of it, though. Like, I love the idea of some random L.A. resident walking down past the statues. Oh, no idea. Who is that? <laughs> Caveman among among these other players. Yeah, I guess you, know, you got Gret and then Dustin Brown. You're like, what is it? Just you know, one of these things is not like the other. But good for him. But back to the original point: if if LA is going to do that deal, um, if they're interested in Chikrin, and I think they are, as a lot of teams should be, um, they wouldn't want to do it in the you know the day leading up to the day of, or maybe the day after. But now they could probably get there. So if he's not playing then there's obviously something imminent because, you know, you don't want to sit a guy out for three weeks waiting for the deadline. I, I don't I think what's the longest we've heard of a guy getting set out for trade reasons? A week? Like, I don't yeah, remember not, anyone not being really more than a week. And so he's, he's three weeks out, so it's got to be pretty close. Yeah, you would think, well, so it was funny, though, because then there was a lot of, I think Bruce Garriott put out a report saying that Edmonton and Toronto have stepped up in, in their efforts to uh, uh-huh. to talk at least to acquire Jacob Chikorin. Like, do you think that would be, I don't know if you want to call it the missing piece, but if that's the big add, and to this point, it's, I mean, it's still an option. He hasn't been dealt uh, anywhere else, so it's still an option for the Maple Leafs. Would that be the big add that would make you happy at the deadline if they were to acquire Jacob Chikorin? I think you'd have to be delighted to add him. And plus, he's going to be around for a little while, so it's, you know, it does help you going forward beyond this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of where he would fit in. Left shot guy, I guess, you know, if you're going to have, is he going to play second pair defense to push Geo down to the third pair? Is, is it Morgan Riley, Chikrin, Giordano? Probably. Does that push Sandine out of the lineup? Or does Sandine go the other way? Who knows? But, um, yeah, like, he would be really, really good. I still think they need a forward. Now, wingers, which I would, you know, they're easier to get than Jacob Chikrin. You can go get, you know, some sort of offensive support forward a lot easier i think you would be happy with him he's having a great year too he's he's scoring at like a 65 point pace he's scoring goals he's playing 25 minutes albeit on not a great team but he would he would fit in nicely in toronto if you could get him i just don't know if toronto if it's not maddie nyes and it's not first rounders like la has so many high-end prospects like they are stacked with high-end guys first rounders and everything else that i don't know if the leafs would be able to match the the package that the, the, the Coyotes may be able to get from other teams. Yeah, right. although, like, Matt and I, is, like, I was thinking about this, the Coyotes would probably value him next to Toronto, maybe as the, 
like one, a, a higher value than maybe other teams would, being a uh, local Arizona kid. Uh, his teammate, Logan Cooley, is an Arizona prospect. Right. Like that, that would make sense if they wanted to bring him into the fold, and that's one thing that Toronto could offer that other teams simply just couldn't. That's a good point, for sure. I don't know how much Matthew Nye's, like resonates in Arizona. Like The Coyotes aren't getting an uptick in ticket, ticket sales because Matthew Nyes is on the team. He's not Austin Matthews yet. But I think the Logan Cooley connection, the local connection, maybe makes him a more attractive prospect than, let's say, Alex Turcott of the Kings. Right. You know what I mean? Like somebody like that. Yeah, that, that, that probably is true. Yeah. Okay, the other name on the market this weekend, CJ was reporting a little bit about the Sharks and the Oilers, potentially chatting a bit about Eric Carlson. Mm. I, I don't know how they would make this work, MJ, but just indulge me for a moment. What would that power play look like? Like, I feel like it would change the world. Well, I mean, are they going to be better than the best ever? I mean, I don't know how much better they're going to get. You know, right? I mean, like the 31-5, the best power play in the last 45 years was the Islanders early 70s was 31-9. So, like, I, I, I don't think he makes them better on the power play. He, like, he makes them better, of course. He's having an incredible year. But the power play, I don't think he's going to go at 50%. It's going to go at 30% still because that's what the best power plays can do. But, I mean, Eric Carlson, I was checking this morning. Mike, you can back me up on this. Like, this talk that, well, it's just all offense. He doesn't play any defense. No. At five on five, the Sharks, when Carlson is on the ice, they're like a plus 16. That's, yeah. a, like, that's crazy, crazy for a terrible team. And then when he's not out there, like, they're like minus 30 when he's not out there. So you think about the swing when he's out there, and some of that's driven, of course, by the goals he scores. But he, you know, it's not like he's just piling up points at the expense of getting scored on all the time. That is not the case. He's having an incredible year. Another three points yesterday. He's on pace for 110. 110 so with 30 games left. Um, like, I know he's got lots of term and lots of money, but if you're ever going to trade him, if you're ever going to trade for him, it feels like now is the time when you have to do that because he's never going to play better than this. Yeah. For me, Johnny, honestly, it's it's not even the power play that I'd be excited for. It's what he could do for Edmonton at 5-on-5 five because five, mm-hmm. they've been – that power play's been unreal, but at five on five, they're like middle of the pack in scoring. So if you could yeah. add Eric Carlson, who leads the entire National Hockey League in points at five on five on a crap team like San Jose, <laughs> I mean, you link him up with 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 Drysital and McDavid and Hyman and Anuj and Evander Kane. I mean, oh my goodness, this team immediately becomes you know a dark horse favorite in the West. Yeah, and given that the West so wide open, uh, even more so. So, yeah, and, you know, we talked to Ken Holland last week, and he's like, well, dollar in, dollar out. I'm like, um, I don't think so, because you're bringing in a, even if you eat four or five, you're bringing in a $7 million version of Eric Carlson. Um, they're going to be able to dump $7 million? I mean, Pugliarvi, I think, is going to go on waivers any day or get traded any day because they have to activate Yamamoto. But unless there's an injury, it does become a pretty hard deal to make, um, just because you know, to move out that amount of money is, is going to be difficult. But, um yeah, it would be exciting to see him change teams. I don't know. Respectfully speaking, I mean, he wants to win. He wants to play with good players. Edmonton has both of those things. Edmonton is very different than San Jose, a place to live. You know, he does have a family now and, you know, four more years. So, like, you know, would he want to take that on as well? That is a, that is a different existence for a family man and everything else. Yeah, I guess it's something to also kind of think about, but 
I lived in Canada before in a Canadian market for many, many years, so right. yeah. I don't know and how did, much different and he, it and might be. And he didn't be. find an extension there. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to oh, say. It did seem like he loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of issues going on in, uh, in, in that enough. city. That's fair. <laughs> All right, Johnny. Uh, appreciate the chat as always. We'll catch up again next week. All right, guys. Have a good week. <laughs> there he goes. Mike Johnson, TSN hockey analyst. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, Eric Carlson... If he ends up in, in Edmonton, like for me, A, that solidifies them in the division. Like I already came out last week and said, I think. Yeah, you did. That's division. what I was going to say. You said Dark Horse. I was like, AB, you picked that last week. You well, can't be calling it a Dark Horse now. No, 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 no. I said they'll win the division, but I said Dark Horse favorite to win the West. Like literally, they will oh, be I in thought the you Stanley called the Cup West final. last week. No, I said division. Like I think they'll win the division. But I think they could potentially, now, if they get Eric Carlson, compete with like Colorado. Yeah, and, someone texted and us and was like, Eric Carlson Dallas. is 73 points. He's still dash one on the year. The team is dash 34. I'm pretty sure the team's goal differential is like in the, in the 33, 34, 35 range. So it's pretty crazy impressive. Yeah, no, he's just playing unbelievable hockey. And look, the Sharks should want to move him. Like, this is yeah. the one. My cause, this is your chance yeah. to get rid of that contract. Like, let's be honest. Like, even if you don't get a massive return, just to get rid of that contract and make sure that you can move on from this and go into the gutter and really tank for Bedard, if you can make it work, if other teams can make it work cap-wise, you do it. You just yeah. you got to do it. I think that's uh, best. Yeah, the guys this morning, Matt was making me laugh this morning, but he had a good point. Like, uh, they should be clamoring to get him out of there. He keeps getting them points. They don't want those this year. No. They don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he keeps winning them games. It's like, Just guys, stop it. Get out of here, Eric. We don't want to win any more games. We exactly. want Betsy. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. There's uh, less than three weeks to the NHL trade deadline. He's one of the hottest names that's out there. There's also Jacob Trickerin, whose name's still out there a little bit. Why don't we pick up on that conversation? There was also a really good uh, article in The Athletic uh, written by our guy Pierre Lebrun today. Talk about what rival NHL execs think about what the Leafs could do at the deadline. So why don't we kind of break that up, uh, break that down a little bit and get into some of the audio that we heard Saturday night uh, coming after that game. We got James Myrtle also going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Desherry. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leasebusters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Welcome back. Leaps Lunch, Julie Sherry and Mike Stefano with you. We're going to have James Myrtle on a little bit later. A little what's in the group chat coming at some point. Lots in the group chat this week. Maybe. Oh, it like, was. I feel like it's been a buzzing weekend. Week. It's always crazier on the Super Bowl, though. Like, so much happening, rumors yeah, well, around. You, you've got so much. The same place. Yeah, and I mean, last night was the, the biggest night of the year in sports, right? You've got the Super Bowl, which was a terrific game. Like, we haven't talked about it yet, but, like, it was an outstanding game, which it's very unfortunate, however, like, <laughs> that it was, it ended the way it did. You know, like, what, who, what do you, who do you think hates their officials more, NFL fans or NHL fans? Um, interesting question. I think probably NFL fans in football. I think it has the ability to have more of a direct impact on yeah. on the results than in hockey. Uh, yeah. So yeah. 
but but pretty I'd close. Agree. Pretty close. I, I would agree with that one. Like it's it's so unfortunate. So me and AK were uh, we're at a FanDuel party watching the Super Bowl last night, and he looks at me and like I don't know midway through the third quarter, maybe early in the fourth quarter, and he says, "Man, this has been a great game. It's so nice that the game was actually settled by the players and officiating hasn't there hasn't been any controversy yet in this game." And sure enough, he spoke too soon because now the end of the game is is very controversial whether or not that was a holding call at the end. And whether it was or wasn't, it was a ticky-tacky call at best. And knowing that this game went down to the wire like that, that's how it's going to end. Like, uh, it just it angered a lot of people and a lot of people who were siding with the Eagles, such as, unfortunately, myself last yeah. night. So, so what's yeah. your afternoon look like, buddy? Like you got a date with the OD boys, you got a. I is there like a loser a, thing that you have to do? Well, I did. Oh no, I actually completely forgot about this until now. I made a bet with Hazy B last week that loser has to take the winner around on on a rickshaw through the uh, the TSN studios. You're oh, kidding. No. Where are we gonna get? No. Where are you gonna get a rickshaw? I don't know. We just gotta find a rickshaw somewhere. Are you gonna go then... around the parking lot or around the hallways? Oh, I think parking lot. I don't think I can <laughs> take that thing inside. Like you're not I mean, going to deliver know. him from the front door to the overdrive studio. I was probably. I was thinking I would have to take him from the from his car to the front door, and then vice versa, take him back to his car. I think that's probably what was what was going to end up happening. But right. uh, and then I think I got to wear the Team Luke Bryan hat for a for a show, which oh, it's going to suck so bad. Yeah, that is quite. Do do you at least like like any of Luke Bryan, the artist's music? Do you like any of his songs? Uh, yeah, that he's might got a couple decent feel a little songs. bit better. Like you can channel that you're only supporting the artist and and not the, the <laughs> betting group known as Luke Bryan. <laughs> yes, I will tell my children when they see that photo. No, 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 just the massive Luke Bryan fan. You were supporting guy. the artist. You wanted the country girls to shake it for you, and so yes. you were supporting Luke Bryan and, and exactly. not the group. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, now we'll, we'll see what happens at 4 p.m. I, I think I heard O-Dog has an announcement he wants to make at 4 o'clock, so oh, I don't know. Oh, he wants to address we'll the nation. Yep, I saw a tweet flying around about a about a, a golf bag that was found on the side of a highway, and, and O-Dog was kind of in the mix on that Twitter thread. I'd love to know if he got his sticks back after the weekend. So I'm, I'm curious about the uh, the announcement. Anyways, the, the true chaos over the weekend, uh, like not TSN chaos, which is always chaotic, but the <laughs> NHL chaos over the weekend was mostly caused by Jacob Chikrin, and we were talking about it with MJ a little bit. It was, like, what did you think of the tweet? So I'll, I'll read it verbatim. Roster update. Coyotes D. Jacob Chikrin is a healthy scratch tonight versus the St. Louis Blues due to trade-related reasons. Hilarious verbiage. I don't know why the the, the way that they worded it is um, so funny to me. Like, trade-related reasons. Like, it's yeah, just the well, related reasons thing. <laughs> I, 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 just, I liked the transparency. Like, yeah, that's why we're sitting them. Sure, but, like, was it necessary? Like to, I don't know. to do that, I mean, if if you're just gonna healthy scratch him, I think people can just make the, make up their mind and just yeah. kind of assume, oh, okay, they're holding him out for trade related reasons. Uh, it's just... Maybe it was them like protecting their asset and knowing that. Well, that's what it is. This has is... a little bit. No, no, I mean the the tweet. Like, I mean that he has uh, 
a little bit of street clothes in him to, to well, quote our OG guys. So just in terms yeah. of like, he's not injured, he's sitting out tonight. That's what I meant more in, in just clarifying the exact reason. I don't know. Right, but I think like the the teams that they're engaged with trade talks with, like they would know the situation though, right? Like you're not gonna if you're Toronto, you're Kyle Dubis, you're not gonna call and be like, Hey, why is he not playing tonight? Yeah. I think that would be disgust. You're pretty close to a deal with a couple of teams, so like we're holding him out to protect the asset. It's just Common knowledge, I think. Yeah, you would think you would, shouldn't have to go out there and explicit, explicitly yeah. say, "Yeah, we're know, holding him out for trade-related reasons." Yeah, he just has like for the fan, of... for the Fairweather fan, of course, right? We right. would think that that immediately, like, oh no, what's going on with Jacob Chikrin? But the people who are actually pulling the trigger on the deal, I don't think it would have any bearing whatsoever on uh, on negotiations. Yeah, I think just avoid, avoiding injury speculation is never. Never a bad thing. Anyways, Dreger on first up this morning was talking about there. There was chatter. You mentioned the Garriuk report this weekend that uh, maybe the Leafs were in the mix and they had stepped up their efforts to potentially get in that mix for for Jacob Chikrin. But Darren Dreger this morning on first up, this is what he had to say about uh, about that speculation. I can't just flat out say that no, Toronto is is not in on Jake Chikrin. Um, I don't believe that they're a front running team or you know pushing hard here. It still feels like it's L.A. to me, even though my L.A. sources the last couple of days are tired of me asking um, because you know the deal just wasn't happening. But the Los Angeles Kings have maintained their persistence and uh, have been consistent in their level of interest. So maybe they're getting to a place where, you know, they realize that, okay, we know we're going to have to pay probably above market value for Chikrin. That's always been the case in the asking price. But a team like L.A., that Western Conference, that Pacific Division specifically, is, is, is a bit of a mess. So they may feel like they have to do something bold. But I, I honestly don't think Toronto was ever a, a top contender for Chikrin. Um. Does this? So you asked MJ the question, AB. Like, is Chikrin that guy for you, for for the Leafs? The needle mover. Does he move the needle for the Maple Leafs? I think he would. Yeah, like, like they don't have a shot from the point on the power play right now. Morgan Riley got a goal over the weekend, which is great. Second of the season. Shout out Mo. Shout out Mo. But like, they have needed more from from that spot specifically. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Chikrin could come in and 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 he could do that, but also just eat up minutes and play a top four game like he can play a little physical he's a big body um he's not like a pure shutdown defenseman like he is more like a two-way guy who leans more offensively than defensively but i think he still would be an upgrade on what they've got going and then you know there's just been the discussion okay do you want to play mark giordano all these minutes he might be better served long term playing third pair minutes as opposed to having a top four shutdown role right, right. so if you could bring in a guy who could do that then of course you'd be you'd be better off the question is and the fact that he has term two because not only this year it's this year and i think two more years after this as well so and it's at a pretty reasonable cap hit at like 4.675 i believe so like sub five million i mean you'd be excited to to add this player into your lineup 100 percent um the question of course comes down to do you want to add the biggest asset and take up the biggest amount of cap space on a defenseman or on a top six forward. And that's ultimately what this this big question mark has been over the course of the last, you know, a few months really for the Maple Leafs as as the trade deadline nears is do we add up front or do we add on the back end? Because if you add Chicken on the back end, I don't know how much of an impactful forward you could really get up front 
because you're taking all that cap space allocation and moving it into your defense. Yeah, okay, well, that leads us to an interesting conversation, A.B. Pierre Lebron put over put out a really good piece in The Athletic uh, over the weekend, and it essentially caught up with a whole bunch of executives around the NHL uh, over this past weekend, and they talked about the Leafs. Who else would you talk about other than the Leafs? And, and all of the front office execs voted with the idea that the Leafs should probably add a forward. That was the most vital, vital thing they needed. But when you're reading through it, there's a couple of executives that think that the Leafs aren't one move away. Like they really should add someone up front and they really should add someone on the back end, which is kind of what Kyle Dubas said that he was going to try to do if it's physically possible once March 3rd comes around. Yeah, and I think the the main theme that I got too from reading through, I think he spoke with seven um, NHL executives around uh, around the league just to get gauge what they believe the league should do or what uh, they would do if they were Toronto, I suppose. And it was, yes, add a top six forward. There was also an element of adding size on the back end as well. Like, I thought that was also important. Just in general, size. Even there was some, a couple of guys, execs said, you know, maybe some experience with size on the third and fourth line could be could be had. I mean, Pierre Engvall, I mean, that third line basically got benched for the back half of that second period the other night. Like, they didn't play good. At all, like that—that that wasn't a great game for no. that Engvall camp and uh, and Joey Anderson line camp. I looked it up; he's been on the ice for a lot of goals lately. Like he's been—I think it's like twelve goals in the last uh, in the last month or so. Um, so David Camp is a player who maybe we're getting to a point where we're relying too much on that guy. I don't know if he's injured, if there's something going on with him. Like at this point, there is, and I don't want to speculate, but he's certainly not playing as I don't want to say he's not playing as well, but like the numbers aren't supporting him as positively as they were earlier on in the season. And he seems yeah. to be on the ice for a lot of goals against. So do you maybe want to add a third-line center and push him down to 4C? Like, could that be where you go? And that's kind of where the Ryan O'Reilly conversation mm. kind of comes into play here. So there's a lot of different ways that the Maple Leafs could go about, uh, could go about their, their NHL trade deadline. Like, they... they that's the thing, and that's also something else that one of these front office members said was there's not really one hole that you could plug. There's a couple of different moves that they kind of need to make. They're not one guy away, which I thought yeah. was notable and probably true, to be honest. But at the end of the day, I think if you can get complete buy-in and you can get your that those top four players to play out of their minds, you get really good goaltending, and maybe you do add a more physical defenseman in your top four, I, I feel like this team should be able to compete with the best of them. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly, by the way, you, back. What about Scoring OT winners. Yes. Very yes, exciting. he did. Who was it? Who yep. did we have on? We, we, we got a little bit We got a little bit of PTSD on the whole Ryan O'Reilly situation. because of, Cam look, Jansen. Yes, Cam Jansen yeah. opened our eyes because he, it was smelling a little bit like Nick Foligno. It had a Foligno stench to it. We, we thought we were so funny making those jokes. And then Jansen pointed out to us, <laughs> it's a broken foot. Those things heal. It's not like a back injury the way that Foligno's was, something that lingers, a neck injury, something similar. Like, not anything like that. It's a, it's a real, it's a bone injury. It heals and, and you get back on the ice and apparently score an OT winner if you're Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure a lot of uh, teams and execs around the NHL saw that and said, oh, yeah, might be able to use I can find, find a useful spot for a player like him. Hey, I think I can fit winners, that on my roster. Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, you can find yeah. him, probably. 
So we'll see. Again, less than three weeks of the deadline. It's not, uh, what do you got? Two weeks from Friday, March 3rd. So lots of speculation, conversations happening. Um, we'll see what, uh, what, what happens. Not only with the Maple Leafs, but all around the NHL. Lots and lots of work to be done by many general managers. All right, so let's take a quick break. And um, James Myrtle still to join us in the next hour. He'll join us at 105 in about 20 minutes or so. I'm Mike Stefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Welcome back. Julie Tashiri, Mike DiStefano with you here on Leafs Lunch. It was a back-to-back home-and-home with the Columbus Blue Jackets over the weekend. The Leafs split it. Uh, probably the bigger story over the weekend was the Super Bowl, but coming up, they, they have uh, a little bit of a weaker schedule, so, so we'll see how that all shakes out ahead of the trade deadline. But over the weekend, A.B., Outdoor practice. It was fun. It was the first time in in three years the Leafs were able to hold that outdoor practice at Nathan Phillips Square like they normally do. Did you see the video of William Nylander like stopping for a cell? Like he's wearing his slides and his full home dressing hockey gear. He's like taking one step in his little slides and his socks and then he's having to take another selfie and like two little shuffles in his socks and then having to take another selfie. (laughs) So I thought you were going to bring up the video that was uh, that was caught. I think it was was it Mitchie Marnie who got this video? I want to say shout out to her. Oh my um, god, she catches everything. Petting, the best. petting the like not petting, but like I, I don't know. There was a baby. I don't know whose baby it was, <laughs> but he like scratched its head like it was a dog. It's <laughs> it was so like, funny. Oh there's so many dog dads on the Leafs that they forget when it's a baby. Like you don't actually have to pet them and, and give them little pets, but it was nice. Marner had a cute little interaction with uh, with his boy Zeus. I thought on the bench where he was like, "I'll be back soon." Gave him a little hug and kiss and. Went out Aww. onto the ice. Yeah, there's a couple of really good interactions. Out. They brought the doggies out, eh? Well, I'm sure, fun? like, it's it, it's not too often you could bring your, your dog to, to practice, right? But a nice little no. outdoor like that. and You know what's weird, though? I, I wasn't sure. Well, I guess I knew that they were doing this practice, but isn't it typically, like, if you got two games in a row, you're supposed to have the day off? Like, that... <laughs> Like what I, I heard that's why they practices. have the day off today. Well, yes, I, I'm sure yeah. that that is why the day off today. But uh, I thought that that uh, I guess they got. I'm assuming another they got fine. some permission. Another fine. <laughs> I will assume that they got permission and they were allowed to do that. But I remember thinking like, oh, after a back to back, don't they usually? Oh, okay, all right. It was just a fun day though. Like it's fun for the fans. And... <laughs> a B the fun place. Like, did you guys get? Uh, are you guys allowed to do this? AB shows up at Outdoor Breakfast. Hey, Can you their, their, tr- their track record hasn't been great this year when it comes to that. So, you know, just looking out for the team. Looking out for just the team. Just making sure the boys are getting their allotted time off. Got to get That's that right. PTO, gentlemen. Get that PTO That's right. when you can. <laughs> That's right. I'm team player. I'm team player yep. all the way. I like it. 
they had fun though. Like it, it looked like they they enjoyed themselves, and you so know I knew. Did I couple- say yesterday too? Like it no, was, it was yesterday was probably the best day of 2023 so far. The vibes were immaculate. It was the yeah. Super Bowl, which is always good. It was so sunny out. Like downtown mm-hmm. Toronto was was it had a bounce to it. It had the springtime. I always say there's nowhere better in in the world. I swear than downtown Toronto in the springtime with the cherry blossoms and and if the Patio Raptors season. The patio season, if the Raptors squeak into like a planned situation this year, it, it, it'll be fun. The Leafs in the first round, it, it always is the first round. Hopefully the second more than round. that <laughs> this year. <laughs> Usually Wouldn't that be round. something? Hopefully it's deeper. But Toronto in the springtime, it had that energy yesterday. It was awesome. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I just oh, thought of something crazy. So those who The Leafs were... in the second round. <laughs> well, the last time the Leafs had made it through to the second round, right? So... Everybody who was born, I guess, after that date, would it work that? Yeah, it would, actually. So if you were born, like, after that, I'm pretty sure nobody missed out on a second-round pint on the patio because those kids would be, like, 19 this year and would be able to have their first pint on the patio along with everyone else who missed it over the course of the last 18, 19 years. Interesting wow. point, A.V. Maybe it's, wow. maybe it's all finally come full circle. Now that like, the Leafs play victory can have a beer, maybe it's time to <laughs> win around again. That's right. It was all those those kids that were born in 2004, and they were like, you know what? Let's like They can't drink next year or the year after. Let's just wait. More and kids can have a beer now? Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's how it works. That's <laughs> that how it works. It is crazy. Like my little brother was born in 2005. He got his license, and now he's driving around, and now Whoa. he's less than a year away from getting into all the bars and the casinos. It's crazy. Yeah. Actually, he's 18, so he can actually come with us on like when we go on on our cruises. He's now eligible to like come oh. and gamble with us in the casinos those sneaky 18 year old places are always fun mm-hmm. when you discover them eh? manitoba well we always like winnipeg was like las vegas to us in thunder bay when we well, turned quebec, 18 years old well, you could drink <laughs> in quebec at 18 right so you'd have a lot of people like i had a lot of friends in in ottawa that i went to in western and they were like oh yeah we've been clubbing it up in ottawa forever like they just hop over the border and oh they'll go yeah and but they that's a pretty massive... greasy scene though from what oh. i heard it's a pretty oh. gritty scene <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'm yeah. talking big like we used to we were so fired up to go to winnipeg and have beers at this western bar there that was like pretty gritty how, as well how far well how far were you from the manitoba border was that something that you could do on a like friday night yeah, it's like close by Thunder Bay Sands. It's a six-hour drive. It's great. You get the girl. That is car, okay, though. Know? That is too far. What do you mean? That's a, that's a whole event. That's then. as close as anything is, though. Like that's as, like, well, like if you're in Ottawa, it's it's thirty minutes over the over yeah, the, dude, the It's not line. the same. I'm just telling you what we did. I'm not saying it's the same or any any fun, but it's what we did. <laughs> that fair highway enough. in the winter, not great, but great times yeah. in Winnipeg. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, on the other side. Um, we got James Myrtle of The Athletic. He's going to join us at 105. And what's in the group chat making its return? That'll be at 1.30. Lots of stuff happening in the group chat this weekend. So we'll get to all that more in the second hour of Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.